Welcome back. It's Detroit Strange. This podcast. That you're listening to. And that's Alex. And that's Jess. We do that every once in a while. I, yeah. You know, for somebody joining in for the first time, probably doesn't know our names for right. I know most I do. of the episodes. Yeah. yeah. It's always nice to know who you're listening to. Yeah. Although it is in our logo. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Yeah. I'm not good with names. People aren't good at reading, so. All people. Yeah. Okay. Myself included in okay. that. Okay. Yeah. I think it, I don't think it's the reading that's the issue. I think it's the observing. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a weird day today because we just got pummeled with a ton of snow last night. Girl, so much snow. I actually shoveled for once. Not that I'm like not someone who shovels, but like. There's the point where it gets where it just gets hopeless, where it's like the snow is like melted, froze, melted, froze, but it is just stuck to the driveway at that point. Yeah. Well, because there's that nice sheet of ice underneath the snow because we had that freezing rain before. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was a clusterfuck of weather that happened last night. It it really was. I'm going to rain forever. Now I'm going to be freezing rain. And now you get snow. Yeah. So, which was unfortunate because we did have to cancel or postpone our answer the hall yeah. show. Yeah. Which, if you're listening to this, it's happening today, correct? Because these are Thursdays yes. now. Yeah. Yeah. Flavor Town of Love, come to Planet Ant. Yeah. Every Thursday night, 8 p.m., yeah. stop if you by Planet Ant. It's live, making fools of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's a every new Thursday show night. every week, completely it really new. Is. It really is. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm excited about this one because I helped. Create it, me Produce and Kayla. It. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's called Flavor Town of Love. I'll let your imaginations run mm-hmm. mild. Mm-hmm. It sure is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the benefit to having a weekly show too is that, you know. When shit happens, just come mm-hmm. back next week. Yeah. And it's not going to get canceled. Like you said, it gets postponed. So yeah. we will still do that show. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody was safe. Yes. <laughs> but then actually Planet Ant ended up shutting down for the night anyway. So. Yeah. It didn't really matter. That we I handled. couldn't imagine going anywhere last night. Even today, even coming here to record just now. Was it still shit? Uh, some of the roads, yeah. Like I the, believe it, yeah. You know, the freeway was fine, but like anything neighborhood related was bad. And even like 8 Mile wasn't wonderful. I don't know if this was just like the particular mire I was like shopping at or if it's like a thing, but like... There was like no salt left at the mire that I was shopping at through shipped. Oh. I ended up using like coarse kosher salt that I just happened to have in my cupboard. I mean, it works. Yeah, it did. It, A little you know. pricier probably just for volume of how much you would use. Yes. But also like it's like one of those like boxes yeah, of salt. Yeah. So it's like a little bit bigger. And it's kind of like, right. It's like, when will I ever use this much coarse kosher salt? But that didn't come from below our feet. The, this is true. the, the driveway stuff mines. came from below our feet. <laughs> yeah. Call back to episode whatever. Yeah. Long time ago. Years. It's been a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember it though. So I wonder if there's a salt shortage. Yeah. But it's right here. So how can it be here? A shortage here? There's not Maybe much there's not people travel. working in the mines right now or something. I don't know. I don't know. You know what else there's a shortage of? There's not, not that we're going to talk about shortages yeah. every week, but avocados. I've heard they stopped importing them from Mexico for some reason. Yes. So there's going to be, there's going to be no avocados for at least a while soon. Yeah. I like, I I had my guac last weekend, so I'm good for Mm -hmm. a bit. I do love an avocado though. So it's still a bummer. Oh, for sure. I did see a good joke about, well, there's going to be no more avocados. So now the millennials will be able to afford a house according to the boomers. So that's exciting, I guess. Have you read the book, The Bell Jar? Yes. Do you remember like the, when she goes to that like luncheon and like there's like crab salad in the avocado, like where the pit goes? Yes. Or like jam. Semi. I mean, I vaguely remember this. Yeah. yeah. I should, like, I don't know why I remember that spoke specifically, but they're like, oh, it's an avocado filled with jam or an avocado filled with crab salad. Crab salad and an avocado sounds delicious to me. Yeah. Jam is the weird one. Jam does not sound good. Well, and actually, Thai just down the street from uh, Ferndale, where we're recording right now. Yeah. They have 
basically a crab salad avocado that they like broil. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it, is there something deep fried? I don't know, but it's delicious. Yeah. So that is a combination I can attest to. Okay. As being good. So yeah. I can see that. But jam, get, get your jam out my avocado. Yeah. <laughs> Put I your can jam agree with that. A bagel or some toast or something. I did make some weird like... I was just like really craving something sweet last night and I had some Mm -hmm. frozen puff pastry. Mm -hmm. So I thought a sheet of puff pastry and I had just like a little bit of cream cheese, a layer of cream cheese, a layer of jam and like rolled it up. Delish. And then like cut it into like almost like cinnamon rolls type slices. Mm -hmm. Like spirals. Yeah, they're spirals or pinwheels if you're from the Midwest. If you're like a ham pinwheel. Yeah. Are you talking about ham cream cheese chives? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I don't like ham and that is like one of the applications of ham I'll eat. Right. I love a good pinwheel. So I was like, that was my inspiration. But then like what I didn't realize is um there's nothing holding that jam or cream cheese in when you do it oh, in puff it just pastry. Kinda, it, just yeah. kinda, it was still delicious, but it was just like wasn't what I was expecting. Well, you should have done it in like muffin cups. I know. Mm-hmm. I realize this now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you get to like the part of your cover where it's like every meal is a chopped meal. That's me right now as well. Yeah. They've been weird. Yeah. When the weather was coming in last night, I was like, oh man, I don't even have like a good like thing to like throw in the oven or food. I went through two different because my first chopped meal did not work out well. Oh no. It was bad. What was it? So there's like tofu garlic knots, which are very good. Yeah. And I had some tofu. But me being me, I was like, let's try it with coconut flour. Mm. I didn't even get to put them in the oven because like I couldn't get the dough to go together. Yeah. It was it was just it was a big fail. So the second thing worked out better, but I was like, it feels mean to order DoorDash tonight. So I'm not going to do that. No, I had the same thought. I was like, now on a normal day of this cupboard situation, I would consider that an option. But right. It feels mean or if it's like hella tip. And I wasn't feeling like doing either of those things. It was probably more expensive too. Yeah. I feel like they do increase prices when they have no drive. Like almost like, yeah, Yeah. I I think maybe. I don't know. But like, then I was like, okay, so DoorDash out. Then I was like, there's the Chinese place and the pizza place, like in that strip mall across from my house. Then I was like, do I really want to leave my house to do those things? I ended up having ramen with with an interesting egg. You can make ramen really good at home if you have got some sauces and things. Yeah. I just had a single egg and like I was talking to Jen while I was making it. We were on like FaceTime together or whatever. I usually soft boil an egg in mm-hmm. like the water mm-hmm. you make the ramen in. And she was like, I usually just crack an egg in the last minute or two. It's just like crack an egg and dump it in the boiling water. I'm like, that's so smart. But I'd already been soft boiled egg. So I just like decided to crack the egg that I'd half soft boiled. Oh, no. And so like there's, there's like, a, like a layer of white stuck to the shell and then just like a little bit of the white and the yolk fell. And then you got to commit one to... way or the other. You can't do both. I learned that last night. <laughs> I learned that last night real hard because like the yolk ended up looking like just kind of like an egg yolk yellow silly putty. Gross. And kind of similar texture. It was like Play-Doh textured mm-hmm. egg yolk. Well, and the whole thing with like a soft boiled egg is like that you have the runny yolk. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. I mean, I learned my lesson. I've been, <laughs> you know, like same with like mac and cheese. I've mm-hmm. been doing the Annie's like four cheese penne mac and cheese. Okay. Because I've just slightly moved out of the craft realm. That's fair. I've, I was never, I mean, I've had like instant mac and stuff, yeah. but I didn't, I as a kid, I didn't eat it. So like it doesn't. Okay. I feel like it was kind of a common meal. Like I had like, uh, we always loved the shaped kind, like the SpongeBob mm-hmm. shaped noodles or like, you oh, know, yeah. just something about the noodle shape made it mm-hmm. like the texture more interesting or something. I never ate it until college. Yeah. I feel like I always have a couple boxes on standby. Hey, Minerva. But like, so I've been buying the Annie's kind recently because it's like slightly nicer than the craft. Oh, yeah. Actually, not, that's the ones I buy if I yeah. get it. Yeah. A lot of times I eat like that, but I was just kind of like, Oh, I wish I had blue cheese because I would throw some blue cheese and some Franks on it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And like if you have chicken nuggies, you put those in the air fryer. Or even just a chicken breast. Just chunks of chicken in that would be delicious. Right. Didn't have any of those things. I did put some like hot sauce in it, but like Mm -hmm. that was about it. It was good, but like, oh, that wasn't what I had last night. I had ramen last night. What am I talking about? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I love mac and cheese though. I had mac and cheese probably the night before. I, that's my, that was my Valentine's deal from Valentine's meal for myself. Is I had 
a nice box of mac and cheese. Okay. That's yeah. lovely. I have no idea what I had. It wasn't special, clearly. It was Monday, which like mm. fuck Mondays in general, but like it was Monday and Valentine's Day. So yeah. I was just like, I'm gonna have a box of mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. Have a little, you know, mm-hmm. good time. And just like kind of like I just spent the night with my mac and cheese dancing in my basement alone. And it was Wonderful. great. Yeah. I can tell you what I didn't have. I did not have my bumpy cake for two for one. Yeah. Don't know when I will have that. But I feel like it will be some point. And like now is prime time because like it's probably on sale now. Oh, no, no. This was not a specialty item. This is just something they have all the time. Yeah. Honeybee. Okay. You should randomly bring that cake over sometime and we'll do a taste test in the air. Okay. I yeah. like it frozen. A really? little bit. Yeah. Is it like, because I don't like feeling ice crystals and things. No, you don't feel that. Okay. Then I'm into it. Yeah. It, I think you would like it. Okay. It's just like a really cold and it's a little sturdier, I'd say for sure. Sturdier is a good verb. Yeah. Adjective. Yeah. There we go. It's, yeah. <laughs> I am excited because I made a lasagna for my friend's birthday tomorrow. Yeah. I was real torn because I was like, do I stick to my guns and use my great aunt Florence's lasagna recipe? And then I was, but then like a week ago, Ina posted, uh, or uh, not food network posted Ina's recipe. And I used Ina's. Okay. Okay. I do love a great aunt's recipe. And I, I uh, love her recipe too. Like mm-hmm. ex- the one weird thing about her recipe, it's delicious and I love it. But there's just like one ingredient that like whenever me and my mom make it, we just leave it out. It doesn't really add anything. It's just effort. So it's like, why put it in there? Is it peanuts? No. Go ahead and tell me because I've got nothing. Hard boiled eggs. Oh, yeah. That one. It's just slices of hard boiled. There's just like a layer in the middle of lasagna that's just like sliced hard boiled eggs. I would leave that out, too. Right. And it's not like it's like when it's in there, it's like you. It's barely, fine. You don't yeah. really even notice it because it's just kind of like mush, more mush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, it's just so much effort because then you have to like hard boil the eggs, then peel them, then slice them. Yeah. Like, no. No. And a lasagna should be like relatively easy until the actual assembly of the lasagna. And that's not hard. It's just it takes a second to actually put it together. And it was funny because I remember even asking my friend Barb, resident Italian expert, because she is Italian from mm-hmm. Italy. If that was like a thing. Yeah. I asked her, I'm like, is that like a thing Italians do? And she's like, there's this other dish that's not lasagna that has hard boiled eggs, but like, I've never heard of it being in lasagna. I'll have to ask my grand Florence, like, what, what's the deal, sis? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. And Plus it could I just be she likes I miss her. Yeah. She might like hard boiled eggs. I Maybe. like hard boiled eggs. I do too, but like. Not in my lasagna necessarily. Yeah. I wouldn't, but I wouldn't like send a lasagna back because of it. Right. It's yeah. one of those things where it's just kind of like. It's a neutral addition where it doesn't really add yeah. or just subtract from the... It's just more work, like you it's said. It's just more work. Yeah. Yeah. But recently, I just... It makes me bummed because I used to enjoy cooking and I yeah. haven't really been enjoying it. I've been doing it out of necessity, especially with my chopped kitchen. Yeah. Right now of... There's nothing There's nothing that's like easy to make. I have yeah. to like cook everything. And I just don't feel like it. I totally get that too. Cause like, that's why like... I feel like my thing lately has been like... I'll eat just like bullshit garbage college food for like most of the week. And then I'll yeah. cook like one night a week, but I'll make like a really nice meal. Mm-hmm. And then just like, I'll have that for a couple of days. Then it's back to just like, Oh, I guess I'll have some pizza rolls. I think this time of year, it's like you find a crock pot recipe. Cause it's crock pot recipes are usually like not a ton of effort. And just kind of like you do it in the morning. You just sit all day and then like, when you're hungry, there's just like this crock pot full of delicious. Yeah. I I mean, I like crock pot foods. I just, I have a hard time. They're harder to like wing. Well, and I mean, I, they're harder to wing a, to a certain degree, yeah. but also like when I can, I do try to avoid like too much dairy. That is a big part of crock pot cooking. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, there well, is like some dairy. And the only reason I'm like weird with that, obviously lactose intolerant. Yeah. Yay. Fun. I love getting older. Like every, I'm just intolerant to everything. I'm pretty sure I'm gluten intolerant. And I'm like, <laughs> I get that. Not I, willing to admit it, but also like I've been like avoiding it more lately. And I'm like, Oh, I'm I 100% sure. get that. Cause like, 
I've been noticing I just get randomly nauseous and I can't really pinpoint it to anything. Well, and actually all of our gluten products, so like all of our wheat here, there's like this stuff, this like chemical that's on it uh-huh. that other countries don't have on their Of course. So there's a bunch of people in the United States who are gluten intolerant, but it's not the that gluten, they're gluten. It's the chemical. Yes. That's some bullshit. Because they'll go be overseas so and just eat pasta for two weeks in Italy and they're fine. Or, you know, like whatever the case is, like they go to France and eat French bread, you know, and it's fine. I would love to go live somewhere else just for a few, a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. I would like to see the food difference of like how I feel. Yeah. Because I I do think there's a lot of problems with our food here. But it's also like such a big system. Like, even if you grow it yourself, though, I think like the strains of wheat here are different for whatever because of the processing here. I believe it. Which is a bummer. Yeah. So before we get into it, mm-hmm. drinking the Peter Vela Sangria, just like last week, the box has persisted. It's a beautiful box at this point. We stand. Yeah. Thank you. But I've got a story for you. Yay. Do you know who the Brown Bomber is? No clue. What have I said? The man, the fist, the arena. Oh, um, Joe Lewis. Absolutely. So today's episode is about Joe Lewis. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. It was one of those topics where I was like, how have we not covered this yet? Uh-huh. You know? I, dare I say a heavy hitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into it. Okay. We're going to start with the man, Joe Lewis, as his name was. Quick overview. Heavyweight boxer, one of the greatest of all times. A goat, if you will. Considered the first person of African-American descent to raise the the status of national hero. Mm -hmm. Okay. uh, Was a strong symbol of the anti-Nazi movement and helped integrate golf. Golf? Yeah. We'll get into it. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Little known contribution from him. Yeah. So he was born Joseph Lewis Barrow in Lafayette, Alabama on May 13th, 1914. Mm -hmm. His parents were sharecroppers. His father, unfortunately, was committed to an asylum when Joe was two. Mm-hmm. His mother remarried and the family moved to Detroit. So that's kind of what brought Joe oh. Lewis to Detroit. Okay. Not much noteworthy happened until he was 15. That's when he started boxing at the amateur level. Wow. Um, that's so young. Yeah. So as an amateur in that year, he fought 54 times <gasps> and won 50 of them. Oh, my gosh. That's more than one a week, first of all. Yeah. And also, so he basically just won. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. All he does is win, 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 no matter what. Except for those four times. Obviously, like, I know, I know he was very good for sure. But to be at the amateur level at of just 15. starting out. Which, at 15. Uh, yeah. Which, I mean, I, I'm going to guess he was probably boxing to a certain extent before then. Right. But like, that's when he like, kind of like. That's. Entered the that was his debutante era. He's like, I'm entering the <laughs> I'm entering the ring. His cotillion. I, his cotillion. <laughs> his ring cotillion. So he won the golden gloves, which is nope. Golden <laughs> gloves. Golden gloves is for TV. Okay. And yep. movies. Mm-hmm. Golden gloves. So he won that as an amateur, and because of that, he ended up being able to go pro. Wow. At 15? I think he maybe like slightly old. I think he was an amateur for a year. So okay, he's, okay. he's probably like around 16 at this point. Still though. Let me see. Yeah. He was born in 1914 and his first pro fight was on the 4th of July, 1934. He's like 19. Okay. So he went pro at 19. Okay. Wow. He won 23 fights as a pro in his first year and like straight up knocked out four of them. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He got the KO. Yeah. The TKO. Oh, TKO. Well, total knockout or okay. Tina Knowles original, depending on who you are. <laughs> and like, I actually watched like a YouTube documentary on him because of this. And oh, nice. like his fucking hook, you just like better hope you weren't in front of it because he mm-hmm. just fucking could hit. I've seen clips. Yeah. It's intense. He was the greatest of all time for a yeah. reason. And like what interesting thing about his career is especially in the early parts is like he traveled a lot. So basically, he just like went to his hometown so he could just beat up the hometown hero in front of his home crowd. Wow. Yeah, I even wrote like, so they could see their hometown heroes eat shit on their own turf. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) He also set record gates in almost every fight he had, which I'm sure you're wondering what a gate is at this point in that term. A gate. 
something to do with like the timing of something or the passing of time between something? Close. It's the sum of money taken at a sporting event from the sale of tickets. Okay, that's not close, but thank you for the support in that. Um, Time and money, they're close. (laughs) Oh, so I wonder if it was like gate price, basically. I think think just like his fights would sell a lot because he had such notoriety. Yeah, okay. And I don't remember we're not a sports podcast, but I'm trying. Yeah. So if I'm saying anything wrong. But we're learning. We're learning. We're all Mm -hmm. learning together. And if we're wrong, that just gives you an opportunity to write in. DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Please do. Yeah. So... Obviously a great fucking fighter, mm-hmm. but despite being as good as he was, he never gloated. He never stood over his defeated opponents and was like pretty chill for all intents and purposes. Why? Why was he chill? Yeah. Why was he not more kind of like gloaty? And that was part of why I think he was like opponents were so scared of him because he was very just kind of calm until he was beating the shit out of you kind of thing. I wonder if he was... Well, I have a reason why. Oh, yeah. Well, I, my guess is going to be that maybe in real life he was like more introverted. That could have been it. But here's kind of the bigger reason why. Okay. So he was a black fighter in the 1930s. Oh. And before oh, Joe yeah. Lewis, there had been only one other black heavyweight champion named Jack Johnson. The singer? No. Sorry. <laughs> it I, makes no sense other than the name, but yes. It's funny because Jack Johnson, I think the only song I know by him is the one from the Curious George movie, which I did not see. Uh, side down. Yeah, he's one of those people I know of. But Calm white dude. Yeah. Yeah. Just If something came on, I'd be like, maybe. Same name, but Jack Johnson, black heavyweight champion. White people hated him because he was loud, he was proud, and he had the audacity to have affairs with white women. Mm. Which was... I mean, affairs aren't great, so like... And like, the thing is... I don't when you say affairs, do you mean like... like I I don't know. Is this relations or is this a, you know... I don't know if they were just considered affairs because he was black and they were white. or that's what I'm kind of questioning. I didn't clarify on that, but like he had the audition to have relations with white women. Okay. But who cares? Yeah. But at the time was possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like. We have to put bullshit. everything in the context of the time period. But. Yeah. It, it. But because of this, because of Jack Johnson and kind of how boisterous he was, we'll say. Mm-hmm. He decided to do a different persona. Because of Jack Johnson, black boxers were barred for competing for the title of heavyweight champion for oh my 29 gosh. years. Oh, my gosh. 29 years. That's. Such extreme stupidity. Yeah. And like because of this, Joe Lewis's trainer, Jack Black, not the Jack Black act. I know. <laughs> I it's unfortunate how many story. names. I know. Like it was kind of like, I don't really want to train you or spend time with you because he's never going to get a shot at the title. So like, what's the point really? Yeah. Even though you're like amazing yeah. and great. And like he famously told Joe, quote, if you ever hope to be champion, you'll need to be twice as good as the competitor. Unfortunately, he probably was not wrong in that. No, but statement. luckily he was talented. So yeah, he was twice as good, probably thrice as good. Yeah. So like within his first year in the pros, one of the like guys he'd taken out, his name was Primo Carnera, who is an Italian guy. I was going to say, was, he has a good lasagna, I'm sure. I bet. <laughs> he... He was 6'7 and 275 <gasps> pounds. 6'7? Yeah. I feel like two seven. I mean, like that's, but I feel like for 6'7, it's not even that big. You know what I mean? There's just so much height there. Yeah. Like that's a whole three inches taller than me and like a hundred pounds heavier, a 90 to 100 pounds heavier than me. Obviously, this guy was huge. Like, literally, one of his opponents died five days after their fight. Oh, gosh. From injuries, from fighting him. Oh. Another reason why Carnero was, like, kind of notorious was because he was seen as a representative of Mussolini's regime. Oh. Because this was, like, the times right before yeah. World War II. And so, like, it was kind of a big deal that Joe Lewis beat him. Because they were like, yeah, fuck fascism. We got Joe Lewis. He's going to take him down. Mm-hmm. And like one of the things that like made Joe Lewis kind of such a great fighter, it was how economical he was with his punching style. As in like 
he didn't really like he knew exactly when to punch and how not to leave room between them to let anything in. Okay. So, so like speed. Yeah. He okay. was like speedy and also just like had like such a great mind for the moment. When like he was just like, like no movement was wasted with Joe Lewis. Mm-hmm. And so because of this, like he got a TKO with Car- Carnera. He was able to like wow. knock his ass out. Do we know how tall Joe Lewis was at the like as an I adult? I looked it up, but I'm probably I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Okay. So like this was kind of like one of the fights that kind of start putting his star on the rise. He beat the mm-hmm. Italian giant. He won favor with the newspaper and general public. And like and they noted at this time that he was like the only black person in newspapers for something other than crime at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And like became a idol of black America. So they're like, look at this guy doing it. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Love him. And so from then on, he would go on to fight and beat five other heavyweight champions. Damn. One of them was Max Bear, who he fought in Yankee Stadium, and it sold out despite being the Depression. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was the first million-dollar gate in a decade because, again, Depression. Whoa. One million dollars back then, too. Yeah. Selling out Yankee Stadium. Big deal. Yeah. But Joe Lewis dropped him four times in four rounds. And this was when he, like pressure would start building to allow him to compete for the cha- heavy championship title. But there were still people against it. And like newspapers being racist as fuck at the time were like citing reasons like, oh, it might incite a riot or it might have, quote, dangerous implications if we allow him to compete for this title that he's mm. more than overqualified to be. Yeah. Uh, just some other heavyweights he fought. Jack Sharkley, Jersey Joe Walcott. James J. Braddock, which we'll come back to him in a little bit. But one of the other big ones was Max Schmeling. Ooh, that name. Yeah. So he was the German champion at the time. And so like kind of like Carnera, he was seen as a representation of the Nazi regime, despite himself not being a Nazi. Yeah. But because he was German and a fighter. It's so stupid that just like as a society we tend to do that, like yeah. place people into a group, like based on nothing other than Very biology, yeah. biology. It's yeah. all biology. Yeah. It does not have to do with your opinions, who you are as a human or anything like that. And it's, you know, Focus it's on just, such weird, small details. Yeah. We focus like on visual differences and we think we know people because of that. And that's just dumb. Yeah. So, in 1936, Joe Lewis would go against Max Schmeling, and this would be his first professional loss. Oh, wow. And one thing that kind of made it, like, a little bit dirty of a fight was because Schmeling was allowed to study footage of Joe Lewis to kind of see what his, like, strategy was. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of, like, he was able to study Joe Lewis, which, like, wasn't as much of a thing at the time because it was the 30s. But somehow, like, Schmeling was able to study Joe Lewis's fighting style and found a a weakness in his strategy, which is what he exploited to beat him. Mm -hmm. Which was no easy task, though, because it was something so small where it was like Joe Lewis was, like, left-handed or right-handed or something. And sometimes he would leave his right side open for, like, a short amount of time. So it was kind of like Schmeling had to be quick and precise, which, being German, he was. Um, Good going to German stereotypes. but. <laughs> I was gonna say, isn't that what we just talked about? Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But no, that I mean, that does make sense if he had the chance to study and yeah, find find consistency. Yeah, in, what, and in the fighting style, right? And it was Joe Lewis's first loss after a streak of twenty eight wins in wow. the professionals. Yeah, that's wild. That had to be like such a headline. Yeah, and it's just crazy because like. I feel like me where I usually don't give a shit about sports, but when there's historical context to sports, I can kind of give a shit. Oh yeah. No, this is very interesting to me. I mean like, yeah, if we're talking about the history of a lot of the sports, I'm, I'm more into the history of sports. I guess when you take the sports into the context of what was going on in history, because sports are, that's a a great, good way to put it. Yeah. yeah, And that's kind of a lot of the story, which is why I found it so fascinating. Yeah. So now we're going to kind of get into like, the bid for becoming a heavyweight champion. Because like I said, a black competitor has not been allowed since Jack Johnson. Mm -hmm. But now we're going to kind of get into the situation which allowed Lewis to get into that. 
Okay. So Schmeling had just lost, and that kind of put him up for the heavyweight championship. Mm-hmm. But Americans didn't like it because he kind of was like Hitler's poster boy. Like again, Schmeling, not Nazi himself, just German. Yeah. But they were worried if they allowed Schmeling to compete for the title, he would win it and take the title and belt back to Nazi Germany. And that would be like the last we ever saw of it. Okay. This put America between a rock and a racist place. Yeah. But this ended up working out in a way for Lewis. Cause like, so what they did, like the, the powers that be, I'm not sure what those boxing, I didn't, I don't know why I didn't look that up either, but the boxing authorities were like, we're going to skip over Schmeling for the title. And they arranged a fight between Joe Lewis and James J. Braddock, who I mentioned before. Yes. Mm -hmm. But like, here's the kind of bullshit part of this. So they're like, you can compete for the title, but either way, you have to sign away 10% of all your future purses to James J. Braddock. Mm -mm. Purse being like, not an actual bag, but like, yeah, the amount agreed upon before the fight that each fighter is to be paid for completing the fight. So like win or lose, the purse is the amount you're going to get for participating. Okay. And then there's like an additional if you win? I think so. Okay. So basically they're like, if you want to compete for this title, you have to sign away 10% of all your future fights purse to this guy just for the chance to be the heavyweight champion. That makes no fucking sense. Right. But like it was because Braddock's manager was like, we're not going to make this fight happen unless you agree to these terms. Okay. So he's just like strong arming him. Yeah. Okay. In the end, Joe Lewis agreed to this and it marked the first time in 29 years a black man could compete for the heavyweight champion title. Mm -hmm. Well, and they probably knew that they had him in a corner of he would agree to something ridiculous. Yeah. So the match happened. Joe Lewis won and he won the heavyweight title. Yay. Which was amazing. I mean, that's good. Yeah. But he knew the Schmeling shit was going on. So he's like, I won't accept that I'm the heavyweight champion until I beat Schmeling. Okay. I'm not world champion until I avenge my one defeat. So a rematch with Schmeling was kind of starting to brew. Okay. Joe Lewis would go on. He trained super hard for this match because it wasn't just a personal vendetta at this point of like him versus smelling. This was like kind of like World War II was just starting. Germany had invaded Austria to quote reunify the countries, which I don't know what that means. It was just Germany's way of like we're starting shit. Yeah. I mean, Germany did a lot of starting shit. Questionable. Yeah. So like the whole world would be watching this fight because they kind of saw it as the fight versus democracy versus Nazis. Yeah. And it turned Politi- is, weirdly political for me. Right. Which is a the reason fight. I don't like sports because I feel like people like to foist a lot of meeting onto sports. And not all people, but some people right. get very emotionally invested in sports and think that it, it stands for. It's a weird phenomenon. I remember reading a paper about this in college of like how it's like one of the few industries where fans are like, yeah, we lost to Michigan. It's like, who is this we? You aren't a part of the fucking team. You're just a fan. That's always been kind of my, like, I remember being a child and thinking that and just being like, but you didn't do, I'm like, you You can do anything. You can be a fan and like root for things. And like, there is fun, there, there is a a fun energy and camaraderie in a certain way to a certain extent. It just, it gets taken too far sometimes. Yeah. I mean, so I went to U of M and obviously big rival. Well, two big rivals. I'm just kidding. I'm not, I don't like to actually say it out loud. Yeah. Um, no, that's, you want to big, be proud of that. Uh, but two big rivals. So one being Ohio state and yeah. the other is Michigan state, which I also ended up going to Michigan state yeah. because I have a degree from both. And it's, it's always interesting. So th- that's a school with a lot of sports mm-hmm. and a lot of so many sports. because They're D one. Yes. And a lot of very intense fan base to those sports and it's fine or whatever. And I went to a handful of games. I was never a, I'm going to get the season ticket thing that students get. A lot of friends did, but I didn't. But I would be the one to pick up the ticket when they like weren't going just to have the experience or whatever. Well, I told you my sports policy in college, right? 
I wasn't there unless I was being paid to be there because I worked for athletic and recreation oh, facilities. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I basically went if it was free, just yeah. as like an yeah. experience of like, I should experience this. I went one step further. I'm like, I need to be paid to be there. <laughs> so like during those big game weekends or whatever and stuff, I remember seeing people's like bumper stickers and they were like, have you kicked a Wolverine today? And, you know, just like stuff like that. And like it's crazy. It's I was always like, that's so aggressive. Right. Isn't this supposed to be fun? Yeah. That's not fun to me. Like. Couldn't be me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, just back to the story. He's getting ready for his rematch with Schmeling, and it was the fight versus democracy versus Nazism. It was 1938. It took place in Yankee Stadium again, so back at Yankee Stadium in New York. And the gate was the biggest ever for a boxing match to that point. Okay. It doesn't didn't give a full amount, but it was just like... Over was, a million. Yeah, you know that. Yeah. And it kind of just like felt as if Joe Lewis was carrying the weight of the free world in this fight. Oh, it sounds real heavy. And I'm not talking about the boxing. Right. But luckily, like Joe Lewis fucking dramatically knocked him out in the first round. Mm -hmm. And he became a national hero because of it. Yeah, that's fantastic. He became kind of the first black American to be widely admired by white Americans. Mm hmm. And it just like, again, it just only boosted his status as the idol of black America. And then he went on to defend his title of heavyweight boxing champion 25 times. Oh my gosh. I was going to say it's got to be in the double digits, but that's even more than I thought. 25 times, 22 of them knockouts. Damn. Yeah. This guy was just great at boxing. Uh Uh-huh. And he probably would have kept going, like, defending his title. But World War II caught up with the country and Joe Lewis did his duty, not as a soldier, but as a fighter. And, like, during the war, he would end up fighting 96 fights around the world. I was going to say, I wonder if it was, like, entertainment for troops and stuff like that. It's kind of what it seemed. And, like, it said that five million servicemen got to see him fight. Okay, then, yeah. And, like, not only was he fighting for the troops, he would often give his entire purse or like his earnings from the fight to the army or Navy Navy relief fund. Yeah. And he also like would pick up funeral costs for like fellow servicemen and just kind of, he was doing really good shit and the IRS just completely fucked him over. Oh God. So basically years later, he owed millions on these donations that he made because the checks were made out to him, but then he would give them, but they were still made out to him. It was the IRS's argument. Cause he didn't pay his gift tax or whatever. Yep. Shit. One of the purses in like the video was $70,000. He wow. gave $70,000 to the war effort. And then the <laughs> IRS had the nerve to be like, yeah, but you owe us now. And it like ruined him financially for the rest of his life. I was going to say, yeah, because that's a pretty hefty tax on the, the yeah. I mean, if it was the gift tax specifically, like it's, yeah, it's, it's really it's high like percentage. 30, 40% kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Because like, they talk about it on Drag Race of like how much of that 100,000 do you actually see? Not yeah. much. Yeah. Not as much as you'd think. I think about it every time I enter a contest to win something. Yeah. Could I afford to win this? Right. I don't know. But yeah, so like, he would go on and keep fighting. He spent 17 years in the ring. 12 of those, he was the heavyweight champion. So then there was this fight with Jersey Joe Walcott. It was called a super fight for some reason. Mm-hmm. And Joe Lewis was like, you know what? Win, lose, draw. My intention is I'm going to retire after this fight. Okay. And so Walcott got ahead in points. But in the end, Joe Lewis kicked the shit out of him. <laughs> And this was like the 25th time he had defended the title. Yeah. That's a good time, I think, to yeah. bow out of the situation. And so he tried to retire. He was retired for two years. But then again, back to the financial woes. They caught up with him. How is he going to earn this money to get back to the IRS? Mm. Which is so fucking stupid. Let this man retire. This man has been fighting for decades. Right. And like donating so much of this money that he won Mm -hmm. throughout the war times to the war efforts. Like, why are you coming after him so hard? 
And you know, if he had kept that money, it doesn't sound like he was a big spender or anything like that. So he would have been like, oh, yeah, here. Yeah. And so like he was broke. So he had to return to fighting. So unfortunately, what we've learned, if you want to be nice, only be half as nice as you want to be. Yeah. Which sucks. Yeah. So he fought someone named Ezar Charles. And he lost, but they they thought it was like his decision to lose for some reason. Like he was like kinda, he threw it. Yeah. He's probably just tired. Like he was done at this point and right. then he has to he go back and do like, it. Yeah. He was just kind of like seeking out the biggest payouts he could find. Yeah. In 1951, he fought a uh, up and coming boxer by the name of Rocky Marciano. Mm-hmm. And Lewis was quoted saying, he doesn't really fight by the book. But I got hit by a library tonight. <laughs> Which I think is a great fucking quote. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I guess just Marciano just had like this brute fucking strength that he just couldn't beat. Okay. Like, there's only, like, technique can only take you so far if, like, the other guy is just, like, yeah, a truck. Yeah. And this was the end of Joe Lewis's boxing career. Wow. And, like, Marciano even was later quoted saying that the fight, this fight between him and Joe Lewis, influenced him to retire a year earlier than he thought he would just based off of seeing Joe Lewis fight in this fight. Wow. Yeah. And so Joe Lewis spent the rest of his life trying to repay his debts to the IRS. Later in his life, he became a greeter at Caesar's palace in Las Vegas. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Throughout his career as a boxer, it was said that he earned about $5 million but he spent or gave away nearly all of it. Wow. And so I did kind of order this like weird. So like, I'm getting into his death now, but there's more I have about him, but just kind yeah, of like, sure. yeah. So he died in 1981 in Las Vegas. And this was actually really sweet. I like this. So like one of the pallbearers at his funeral was Max Schmeling, who also covered the cost of the funerals. Oh, right. Like yeah. he's kind of like, they were frenemies. It sounds like, you know? Yeah. And also, so it's the 80s, Reagan, who, fuck him, but um, (laughs) he waived the eligibility rules for Lewis to be buried in Arlington National Cemetery because he wasn't like technically, like he wasn't like a soldier, but he still served in the military. Yeah. But he was buried with full military honors. Oh, good. Which, too little, too late. Well, yeah, but I mean. Cool, I guess. But like I mentioned, he helped integrate golf. So I'm going to get into how he did that. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the golf. Yeah. So before his first fight with Schmeling in 1936, he was introduced to the game of golf and it became a passion, like a hobby of his. Mm -hmm. He just loved golf. And so in 1952, he was invited to play in the San Diego Open uh, as an amateur on a sponsor's exemption. Okay. This made him the first African-American to play in a PGA Tour event. Hmm. Which was a big move at the time because the PGA of America had a bylaw that limited PGA membership to Caucasians only. Real, um, yeah, fifties. Yeah. I mean, are we shocked? No, yeah. is it shit? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But because of Joe Lewis's celebrity, the PGA ended up removing this bylaw around this time. Mm-hmm. But the Caucasian only clause lasted until 1961. Mm. Yeah, but because of this a first generation of black golfers were able to get their foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And he would go on to financially support the careers of several other early black golfers like Bill Spiller, Ted Rhodes, Howard Wheeler, James Black, Clyde Martin, and Charlie S- Sifford. Okay. So like, Joe Lewis was just such a great dude, you know? Yeah. He was like, I'm going to help integrate golf and then I'm going to help these early black golfers get their foot in the door, kind of get them started. Yeah. Joe Lewis also founded a charity called The First Tee that helps underprivileged children become acquainted with golf. Uh, His son, Joe Lewis Barrow Jr., currently oversees the organization, or at least at the time of the writing of that article. And the PGA actually granted a posthumous honorary membership to Joe Lewis. Okay. Yeah. Posthumous? Did I say it wrong? He said posthumous. Okay. Posthumous honorary membership to Joe Lewis. Cool. And now I just want to dip a little bit into his personal life just to see who he was as a person. Because obviously, like, he's a boxer, he's a golfer, great Mm -hmm. guy. But let's get into, like, what his actual life was like. Joe Lewis was married to three women throughout his life. 
His first wife was Marva Trotter. They were married and had two children, Jacqueline in 1943, the first Joe Louis Jr. in 1947. They divorced in 1945, but then remarried a year later and then divorced again in 1949. So he was married to three women, four marriages, Mm -hmm. two were to the woman Marva Trotter. After their marriage, Marva went on to become a model actress. Oh, Uh, wow. Yeah. His second wife, Rose Morga, she had been a successful Harlem businesswoman and they would be married for three years before getting an annulled in eight, nope, in 1958. Uh, and then Joe Lewis's fourth and final marriage would be to his third wife, Martha Jefferson, who was an L.A. lawyer that he married on St. Patrick's Day, 1959. And they had four children together. Wow. The second Joe Lewis Jr., John Lewis, Joyce Lewis, Janice Lewis. He had a thing about keeping the Lewis middle name. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the J's. Yeah. So again, married four times to a, a total of three women, but it was also kind of known throughout whispers that he also had discreet encounters with women like Lena Horne and Edna Mae Harris. Oh. Yeah. Not sure if they were extramarital, but he did have discreet encounters with these women. So now we're going to kind of get into his legacy. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. So in 1979, two years before his death, the Joe Lewis Arena opened in downtown Detroit near the Kobo Center, as we discussed, is now mm-hmm. known as Huntington Place. Uh, it cost an estimated $57 million and it was a replacement for Olympia Stadium, which was the former home of the Red Wings that was falling into disrepair, partially thanks to the 1967 riots. So they're like, let's build new. We're going to name after Joe Lewis. Mm -hmm. Work. Until it was demolished, it was the second oldest NHL venue after Madison Square Garden in New York. Okay. I mean, it was big. Yeah. Oldest, but not big, but like. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know Um, why I did that. It was, you know, it was pretty big. So in 2006, Gordie Howe was granted an entrance. They renamed the West Entrance for Gordie Howe and put a bronze statue there. Mm-hmm. That's the entrance I remember. I've only been to like Joe Lewis. I was only there. I've only been there like once or twice. I think it was there once. Like a, yeah. I don't even know why. I feel like it was a concert or something strange. Like not even a sporting thing. My friend's mom won box tickets and like took oh, me yeah. and like my friend. who Neither of us were. Give a shit about sports, but we were just like, all but right. If it's free and it's a box, like right. have the experience. I'm I'm all about the experience of those things. I just remember that like my friend had gotten a new cell phone. We were like more interested in the cell phone than the <laughs> game in front of us because we were both techies. So Joe Lewis Arena closed in 2017. The last Red Wings game there was against the New Jersey Devils. Demolition started in spring of 2019. It would continue until summer 2020. I just, I ride my bike down there sometimes and actually like my vax, vaccinations and stuff were. At Co- you were at. The, underneath Kobo. Yeah. But yeah, but I have the way I have to go. I have to drive by. Yeah. Where I, I would have been driving by Joe Lewis. And it's so weird because it's just like, I mean, there's still a lot of construction stuff there, but yeah. it's like slowly, it was like slowly being leveled. Yeah. Like weird. Yeah. It's a bummer because it like it was such an icon of the city, but like I also get that it was like kind of falling apart. Oh, I understand too. And I mean, there's the, I feel I mean, like luckily there's still the fist, which I'm going to get to in mm-hmm. a minute. And that's I mean, that's also just like the nature of arenas. Yeah, they change and yeah. venues change, and yeah. And it was interesting because it took so long to demolish because of its proximity to Huntington Place. Mm. was that it had to be dismantled rather than imploded. Oh, so that's why I kept seeing it change very slowly. Okay. Yeah, it's because they had to like take it apart, not yeah. blow it up, which is interesting. So that was like one part of Joe Lewis's legacy. Obviously, the other part's the fist of Joe Lewis, yeah. which was erected in 1986 as a 24-foot-long arm with a clenched fist suspended in a frame downtown Detroit to commemorate mm-hmm. Joe Lewis. I don't know if you remember this, but like... And I think it was like around like the 2008 financial crisis when like the city was declaring bankruptcy and whatever. But someone got like a trash can or like a big thing and put like a lube label on it and just put it next to the fist. <laughs> and it lasted for like not even a couple hours before people were like, nope. <laughs> it was funny because I was like 
talking to my therapist, I was like, I just did a story about jewelers. I'm so excited about it. He's like, do you remember the fist with the lube? I'm like, I don't. And so I was like, I have to put this in the story. No. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, yep. But just something other notoriety that Joe Lewis got. He was inducted into Ring Magazine's Boxing Hall of Fame in 1954. I would freaking hope so. Yeah. And then he was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 1990, which is unfortunate post- posthumously. And he was posthumously awarded the Congressional Gold Medal in 1982. Posthumously. So again, posthum- Did I say it wrong? God. What am post- I saying? You're saying posthumously? Posthumously. Yeah. I don't okay. know why it's posthumously, but I know I've. Hey, posthumously. I get, I get the because po- it's post. Yeah. That, yeah. Posthumously. <laughs> but that's kind of what I got for Joe Lewis. Real quick, my sources. I almost didn't use the source because I knew I'd have to say it. Britannica.com. <laughs> wow. I got it. Okay. I had to really like look at it. Because even as I was like typing it, like Britannica, mm-hmm. nope. Like Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah. That was like the encyclopedia of like the 90s. I know. I know exactly what it is. Oh, but for okay, some reason, okay. I like can't pronounce it. Really love it. like Britannica. I'm like, no, it's Britannica. Really Britannica. loved X in that series. What? I really loved oh, X yeah. in that oh, series. Yeah. yeah. And then like the uh, Wikipedia and then the YouTube documentary I watched, which was called Joe Lewis, Boxing's Greatest Champion, The Real Captain America by mm, user yeah. Joseph Vincent. Okay. Yeah. Great little, I think it was like a half hour long. Great little YouTube documentary if you're interested in this and you want to see like archival footage. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Highly recommend. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm so happy you covered that because it's it's been a thought that I keep forgetting and it needed to be it's like how did absolutely it was like i said like when i was thinking about like how have we not done this yet yeah and like and i love finding stories like that because yeah. it's like how have we not done this yet because it's such a like a big part of detroit yeah yeah, yeah. and just like history in general absolutely too. and i'm so much like i'm so glad that i know more about it now because i was just kind of like oh joe lewis sports whatever but like there was so mm-hmm. much more like there's so much historical significance so, that i was missing yeah socially yeah large social impact yeah, I didn't know much about him. I I knew he was a good guy, you know. He was a good guy who got completely fucked by the IRS, which really pisses me I off. I did not know about that part. Yeah. Very sad that GoFundMe did not exist. Yeah, unfortunately. But you know what? Whatever happens to souls, I'm so sure his soul he's, rests well. I hope because, he's in the highest level of heaven. Yeah. like Great dude. Yeah, again, like... It just sounds like he was just a gem. Yeah. And had a lot of empathy for other people, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. So it's nice to honor him. It's Absolutely. all honor Joe Lewis today. Yeah. It's a great statue too. Yeah. <laughs> it's been in uh, most things about Detroit. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's one of the hallmarks of the city, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It's been featured uh, quite quite a few many times. Right. It's like that, the spirit of Detroit, the Renaissance Center. Mm-hmm. Those are like the main that's three, it. I feel like. Yeah. That's Detroit. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Crushed it. Uh, well, thank you for that. No problem. That was wonderful. I have a little bit of which one isn't. Okay. Sorry, two truths and a lie. Love it. Some are, one isn't. Okay. And this comes from Mental Floss. Love it. Well, it comes from Mental Floss and Wikipedia and another website that I'll get to in a second. Actually. Okay. But basically, we're going to talk about products that at least pitched an idea for their product on Shark Tank. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm into it. So here are the three. You got to tell me which one was not pitched on Shark Tank. Okay. We've got the Squatty Potty. Okay. We have the Snuggie. Okay. The original Comfy. And we have the Snuggy Wishes. <laughs> and we have the Ring Video Doorbell. Ooh, okay. I'm going to go with the Ring. The Ring was pitched, but I will give you this. It was originally known as the Doormat. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, okay. They, they, the change was good Yeah. for them. Okay. I got to go to the Snuggy next. You are correct. The Snuggie was not pitched on there. However, the Comfy was. I knew the Comfy was. Yeah, because that's why I didn't put that on here. Yeah. I was like, I bet he knows. Oh, 
I love my comfy. It's it's wonderful. Hashtag not sponsored, but yeah. If you want to slide in our DMs, comfy. I was on I'll the talk comf- you up. <laughs> I, yes. Also, yeah. if you could send me the plaid one as well. I just want a wardrobe of comfies. I originally ordered like the plaid one for my mom and sister for Christmas, mm-hmm. but they canceled my order because they were just out. So I, was I had to say get they're like, out. Knockoffs. I was yeah. on the website today because there's somebody I know that needs a comfy. Yeah. So I was just like lightly like shopping. The best gift to give to anyone in the Midwest. Yeah. And then cold. I was like, ooh, they would love this plaid one. And I was like, ooh, I would love that too. But I but I wasn't actually going to get one. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, oh, they're sold out. I got my mom and my sister plaid ones, but they were like a different brand. They were still like, Comfy esque. Mm-hmm. They had like a different, like they had like the like sweat pant or like the sweatshirt kind of pouch, but then they also oh. had like a kangaroo pouch on top of it for your phone. See, I would only want the kangaroo pouch if it was big enough for a cat. Fair. Yeah. Tends I get I get it for the phone. That's not a bad thing, but like right. if I'm having a kangaroo pouch, I need to put a cat in there. Yeah. Um <laughs> but yeah, no, the comfy is amazing and yeah. I do love it and I'll probably wear it tonight. Absolutely. <laughs> I do have some honorable mentions, of course, because we love an honorable please. mention. Uh, so one of them is Manscaped. Okay. Yeah. They were they were pitched on. Yes. Uh, yeah. And again, some of them were picked up. A which couple I will of, say, I have a Manscaped lawnmower 3.0. Mm-hmm. It's not great on the face. I'll no? say that. It's okay. terrible on the face. It works okay everywhere else. Okay. It's just one of those things I've heard the yeah. you know, the podcast commercial for them. So yeah. I'm like, which if you want to sponsor us too, I mean, right. Alex will retract everything he just said. So I mean, I don't think it's supposed to be used in your face, honestly. So like maybe that was me. It's not the aim of their no. commercials. Uh, other ones, uh, Bomba Socks. Okay. Scrub Daddy. Okay. Which that one I actually did know, but I like it. This one's actually one of my favorites. Kodiak Cakes. Are you familiar with this brand? I'm not. So they're, they started with like a pancake, but it's, they've got more protein in them than your general camp pancake mix. Okay. I love the almond poppy seed one. That sounds good. You can make like muffins and stuff with them too. And they like give the instructions for that yeah. on the back. Uh, it's a little pricier than regular mix. But if I'm buying pancake mix of any kind, it will be Kodiak Cakes. I'm going to check it out now because I do love a good pancake mix. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan. And they got really fun flavors too. I mean, like, I'm not like a chocolate pancake person. Like, yeah, I'm I'm barely a pancake person. Can't relate. I love a pancake. But like I said, the almond poppy seed one is chef's kiss. Every once in a while, I'll fuck up a buckwheat pancake. I've had them, but I don't remember them. I'm more actually, I like a Johnny cake a little better than a pancake. Fair. Yeah. But I've only had those a handful of times, too. But yeah, Kodiak Cakes, highly recommend them. Uh, Copa, this one you might not know by name, but when I give you the description, you you will. You might know it by name. Copa Divino. Is it like a wine? It's those little like cups of wine that look like a little beer stein with the like plastic on top in a bin at CVS. Oh, yeah. Yep. That came from here, which I was like, really? I thought that was like from 1986. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Coffee meets bagel, which Interesting. is interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've never used it, but I've heard of it. And this is literally what it said on one of the websites: bug bite thing suction tool, which is one of those ones like you get a mosquito bugzooka. Bug. Oh no, well not that one. My no, it's literally called. I think he bug loves bite. his bugzooka. No, this is like a suction cup that, like, if you get like a mosquito bite, you put it on your skin and like it sucks the, the oh the stuff out of it. That sounds much nicer than a bugzooka. Yeah. Uh, and I've heard they work really well. And then these are a few I didn't know, but I just thought they were interesting products. The Blowsy, which okay. is literally, it's like a plastic tube you blow up birthday candles with. For why? Unless you're my sister and leaning too far over caking and your hair caught on fire. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the point. Yeah. Tabby, the cat person's dating app. I'd have more shade if I didn't have a cat. <laughs> oh, I'm not against it, but I like, yeah. I like that it was pitched on Shark Tank. Yeah. Uh, mute me video, which was like a conferencing mute button, but I'm pretty sure before we all just started doing video conferences. And then something called the cheese chopper, which basically looks like a guillotine for cheese. Love it. (laughs) So just a little bit about the show. Since we're talking about Shark Tank, it premiered in August 9th of 2009 on ABC and it was the American version of the international dragon's den. Interesting. Which started in Japan called, as originally called, Money Tigers in 2001. Japan has some interesting TV shows. Uh Like, do you remember the MTV show Silent Library? 
Because that came out of Japan. No. So basically the Jap I I mean I like the Japanese version better because it's just a little crazier and less like ooh, mm-hmm. like but um it's basically like you're in a group in a library. Like there's I think it's usually like four people and they have to do like weird challenges and stay silent the whole time. Okay. No, I have seen that. It like I didn't watch it, it a lot, but right. yeah. It, it's been a I feel like it's been a while since it's been on too, because I feel like that was like oh, early twenty yeah. tens. Yeah. That's when I wasn't really watching that kind of stuff anymore because I was Same. more like I didn't have cable at that point. I was in college. I more watched like, like next and weird crap that or whatever. I remember that stuff terrible. too. And it was a little bit more about Shark Tank. It actually won the Primetime Emmy Awards a few times in 2012 to 13 and won Outstanding Reality Program. And in 2014 through 2017, each year it won Outstanding Structured Reality Program. Okay. And Kevin O'Leary, one of the sharks thinks that about 20% of the handshake deals are never executed, which is actually way lower than I would have expected. Yeah. And Robert Hershevik thinks that about 90% of those are actually withdrawals from the contestants. Like after they leave, they don't want to do it anymore. That makes sense. That's a much higher, like actual business deal rate than I would have expected. And they are, I mean, they are real business people. So it makes sense. And some of the entrepreneurs have reported revenue increases of 10 to 20 times the amount after the show. I mean, it's great exposure. Mm-hmm. If you've got a great product, I don't. So I can't mm-hmm. relate. But and some of the products that I found, there's actually something, there's these fun fan sites, all sharktankproducts.com, sharktankcontestant.com, sharkalytics.com, and sharktanktales.com, which That's fun. I just yeah. like those names. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have not seen every episode of Shark Tank or anything like that, but I did watch. It's a very, it was a very interesting show. Oh, for sure. I like, it wasn't one I watched, but like you'd catch clips of once in a while. Oh, I watched it. Okay. And it's also like the um, wide range of what types of product. Yeah. Come out of that show is interesting. Like some of them are as seen on TV type product. Oh yeah. And then we're talking food trucks and then we're talking, a lot of them don't want to go into the food market because it's a, a very risky venture, I guess. But. Uh, that and the, I think the beauty industry is also a very risky venture, if I recall uh, probably correctly. Probably because there's more testing and like, kind like mm. there's probably more regulations around like a food product or make a product than like it's a doohickey, you know? That, and I also want to say it's also just like the market is a little saturated Yeah. too. So like you really have to stand out in those arenas. Yeah. Um, because you're not really, inv- at that point, you're not inventing something new. Yeah. You're trying to improve on something that has existed in some way, shape or form before. Yeah. So I think there, I, I, I don't know. I'm not a business person. Me neither. In fact, all this of my business, business training podcast. is from watching Shark Tank. Uh, <laughs> so there we go. But I don't know. I've always been entertained when I've watched it. And Fair. again, I was really shocked by the amount of deals that actually go through. That is surprising. Cause I would, I would have expected it to be a little bit less. And now I want to buy a scrub daddy. I had one at one point that someone either gave to me or like I Everything happened good. upon. I don't know if I ever used it. It was my college apartment, which my mom who's listening oh. right now. I was like, of course you didn't use it. You didn't clean your college apartment unless I was there. Sorry, it's mom. been recommended to me yeah. though as a good sponge. So I believe it. It seemed like a good sponge. It kind of creeps me out though. The weird oh, face in it. It's like a <laughs> potato smiley. That's just a sponge. I think that's why I haven't actually done it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, good job. Thank you. Second guess. Two out of three. Uh-huh. Hey, <laughs> oh, but I feel I feel like that's we're probably wrapped. Yeah. Like the end of a boxing match. Scrubby. Scrub daddy. We went very different directions we with did. that. I'm going ding ding. You're going scrub scrub. Ding dong. Oh yes. <laughs> or that. Ding dong, entrepreneur. Yes. <laughs> but if you want to follow us on our social media, it's at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address. If you want to slip into them DMs, DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And if you want to support the show, you can head over to Patreon. You could also head over to Threadless, buy some merch, get some stuff with our, our cute floating sweat. eyeball on it. Or, you know, rate, subscribe, review, tell a friend, tell, tell a friend. somebody about tell us. Anime. Tell somebody anyone. who just likes hearing stories. Yeah. Uh, particularly about Detroit, hopefully. Uh, Go to your grandma's house and tell her Alexis to start playing it and just walk away. Ooh, that's a fun game. Yeah. And then let us know how it goes. Right. We'll be your grandma's friend. I would love that. Yeah. If your grandma's cool. 
Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll try a friendship with anybody. Send out your grandma. We'll write her. <laughs> oh, God. Do not do that. Cool? No, do not no, do that. No. Do not do that. Oh, my gosh. Do you remember when there were all those like like hot or not dot com website? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just like immediately where my head went of like, we're going to rate her. Oh, that was there's so many disgusting parts of humanity. But that was Absolutely. like one of the like, most abhorrent. Ugh, shudder. Yeah. But anyway, anyway. Yeah. I think. Until next time. Stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was recorded by Detroit's own Sax and Violence. I didn't actually go to the games when I was at MSU, but I went tailgating for the U of M game, you know. Yeah. Uh, should I have a side story really quick? Yes, I'll probably yes. cut this. Okay. So this one year I went and like got obliterated. I was with my friend, Laura. We had studied abroad in Australia together. So she was like a new friend, but we, like she was like one of those long lost people in my life who came in for a few years and then we haven't talked since then kind of a I deal. Get, that's how I feel like study abroad friends are in yeah. general. So we went tailgating and we walked around and I remember we just, we made so many new friends tailgating because we just walked to whoever we met this guy and we were talking with him and then it turned out he was a limo driver for one of the players. That's so interesting. Yeah. So we went into one of the players limos and he drove us to the brown jug and we drank with him and then he drove us back and we hung out in this limo and we drank this gray goose. <laughs> the goose had you feeling loose. It was like the weirdest thing though. because We like pulled up to this like hole in the wall bar in a limo because he dropped us off and then parked. Yeah. And then, like, brought us back later. <laughs> it's very strange. That's my rivalry sports and how much I don't actually care about the game. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't, like, that was, like, the nice part about going to Grand Valley for all five years because I was a five-year kind of mm -hmm. hoe. But um, uh, Most people are and should be. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Grand Valley was like the top of D2, but it was D2. So like mm -hmm. nobody really cared except for the people playing. It was funny because like the one game I went to, everyone left at halftime. And I'm like, dope. I can get behind this. Like you go if you want to go and like hang out and like whatever. And you can be into it. But like if you're not, that's fine too. I think I had a flask of UV blue. Ew. Yeah, <laughs> I was that hoe for a few years. I only drank Jack for like a decade. So... <clears throat> or not only, but like that was your go to because a friend of mine had gone through a weight loss thing and they told her that. One of the least caloric mixed drinks you can have is a Jack and diet. OK, apparently it doesn't make sense, though, because whiskey is not necessarily like the low. I don't know. It didn't make sense. It's probably because the mixture zero calories. Mm. Yeah. You know, like how some women drink like Chardonnay, like that's that yeah. Jack and Diet was our Chardonnay. Love that. Yeah. Anyway. Yes.